Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour, Today's Homeowner Radio. This hour, like every hour here on Today's Homeowner Radio, is going to be jam-packed with information that you can use at your house. We've got some great callers that have come in, called in. We've got one that is, is suffering from an acorn attack. A it what? has lots and lots of acorns in their uh, acorns in their yard and oh, wondering okay. what to do with it. It sounds like uh, quite the attack we're going to deal with. Also, should call what, should call rent a squirrel. Yeah, rent a squirrel and bring out oh a God. tribe of squirrels. What 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 is a whole bunch of squirrels called? I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, a tribe sounds sure. good to me. <laughs> okay, you know? let's go with tribe. Also, uh, we're going to be dealing with some flooring issues. We have one of the biggest questions we've ever had on todayshomeowner.com is, can I put this floor on top of this floor, or what do I do? We're going to we're going to dig into that a little bit. Also, this is something that happened to us a while back, and that is, you know, you got the glass cooktops that are really nice. Right. Um, but we had one that just completely shattered, and we had to replace the whole thing. Not a cheap thing at all, but a question is, what's causing that if you didn't actually drop something on it like we did? But we have a right. homeowner that's dealing with that, so we're going to check on that. We've got some great emails that have come in, some great calls, and also Joe has a simple solution for us in a little bit. Joe, what can we expect? Well, this is one of the most popular simple solutions. We always say our painting simple solutions. This is one how to screen out little bits of debris that form in paint after you've opened the can and closed it and you've used it. Cause of course paint's pretty expensive these days. You want to use mm-hmm. every single bit of it. So I have a way to keep that paint as clean as possible. Oh, that's good. And you're right. Those painting tips are always something that people love to hear. Hey, we want to hear from you. You can give us a call anytime. 800-946-4420. That is the Today's Homeowner Hotline. And to send us an email, you can go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Let's pick up a few of those recorded calls that we have on the hotline right now. In my kitchen, the rubberized backing from my kitchen rugs stuck to the floor. And so I was wondering if you had any suggestions to what I could use to remove that. I tried Goo Gone, and that didn't touch it. Oh, well, that would be one of the things that we would actually recommend uh, because that does a pretty good job in a kind of a passive way of helping you remove that. Of course, what you don't want to do is cause any damage. So you don't right. want to yeah. you don't want to scrape it with any kind of metal. You might want to try a, to get the majority of it off by using a plastic um, putty knife that's a little more um, friendly to be able to move that off there. And uh, but Joe, you got to be careful how strong of, of material to use for that. Right. Any su- any suggestions for her? Yeah, we're not sure what type of floor this is. I mean, obviously, if it's ceramic tile, porcelain tile, you can be a little more aggressive oh, yeah. as opposed to a wooden floor, which is what I have in our kitchen. Um, I think I'd start with with some denatured alcohol. Go to a hardware store, mm-hmm. home center, get some denatured alcohol, and as Danny suggested, a plastic a tool. I would use a putty knife, plastic putty knife. They come in different widths. Um, you might want to get a couple of them and pour, just pour on this denatured alcohol. It won't, it won't hurt the floor if, even if it's wood, but it, it'll eventually soften. It won't completely dissolve this adhesive or not the adhesive, but the backing, the rubber backing. Um, but it'll soften enough enough. It might take 
depending on the backing, it might take a few minutes and then scrape it up. It'll be a sloppy mess, but you should be able to release it with the denatured alcohol and then with a plastic putty knife, scrape it off the floor. Hey, good suggestions, good answer. Let's get another call from the hotline. I'm considering turning a garage into kind of a family room. And I was wondering what I need to do best with the floor. It does seem like as a garage in the spring, it does sweat a little bit occasionally. Uh, not real often, but depending on weather conditions, etc. So is there some way I need to seal that or whatever? Thank you very much. All righty. Well, a couple things there. First of all, when people are enclosing their garage to turn it into the living space, they make a lot of mistakes. And one of those mistakes is not um, addressing the floor. If you're stepping down into a garage, that's okay. That's not the end of the world. But most garage slabs are not level. So you might look at um, really getting a level out there, a long piece of wood, uh, maybe even a, a you know an electronic transit to see exactly how much would need to be done to the slab to make it perfectly level. The side benefit of that is you're basically putting a coat on, a coating on top of that. You could use something like our friends at QuickRete have the recap that you can put. Maybe you're going from an eighth of an inch to a half inch in order to level that up. That's perfect. That'll help provide that sealer. Plus, you shouldn't have the condensation and all of the um, the, the water um, coming up through there and the sweating once you have it enclosed and it's properly heated and cooled. What you have there is the inflow of the outside, and you're going to have some sweating during those high humidity days. So you should be good, but I would really try to make sure that that floor is nice and smooth so that you're, because the best compliment you can get when you enclose that garage is no one ever knowing that it was once a garage that'll look like part of your house. Let's get another recorded call right now from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. I just want to be able to rehab my bathroom but there is probably 15 or 20 feet of mirror that I need to re- remove, and it's all, I guess, glued on to the wall. Is there an easy way to remove that? I don't know. Uh, like, thank you very much. Wow. How 20, big a, ba- did he say how big a bathroom is this, mi- Joe? Wow. I 20 mean, feet of mirror. Seems I don't like a even lot of know. Mirror. I, got a, I got a big master bathroom. I don't, I don't, I don't think I could could put that much in there. Maybe but it means 20 square feet of mirror. I'm maybe, sure. yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. so. But, um, you know what? Uh, we've had this question very similar to this. First yeah. of all, be careful, yeah. careful, yeah. careful. That's the number one thing to make sure that you don't have any problems with that. So, um, that's one thing, but what would you recommend on that in order to, uh, to cut that mastic that's holding on to the back? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. I mean, assuming he can get to the edges, that would be fine. If it's going wall to wall, ceiling to floor or something like that, it's a lot more difficult, but usually you can get to one edge somewhere. And the way that there are a couple of ways that professional glaziers um, remove mirrors. They're typically putting them up, but when they have to remove them and they're just glued in place is with lots and lots of wooden wedges. Believe it or not, they just tap in these wooden wedges, really narrow edges, little bit at a time, little, little bit at a time, all the way around, very methodically, little by little. And the mirror will eventually pop off. What happens is the adhesive doesn't always give, but it pulls off the paper face of the drywall or whatever it's on. Um, The other way is they use a tool that you can find in a uh, auto parts store called a windshield cutout wire. And essentially is a long wire with handles on each end, a handle on each end. And the wire itself has got like an abrasive on it, almost like a saw blade, for lack of a better word. You slip it behind the mirror and you just 
saw, you know, you go pull it back and forth, back and forth, and it'll saw through whatever's there. Um, but again, as Danny mentioned, you have to be so careful with this because you don't know how fragile this mirror might be. And if it pulls away, is it going to fall or is it going to break? So we're talking anything you need to do to protect yourself, including even a full face shield would be a great idea. Obviously, leather gloves, long sleeves, um, cover your, your legs with work pants, boots, that kind of thing, and keep everybody out of the room while you're doing this, by the way. But that, those are the only ways I know how to get these mirrors off. And once they loosen up a little bit, you can usually pull them off, um, especially if they're a quarter inch thick, because it, it's, it's pretty rigid, pretty rigid at that point. Man, have you seen some of those uh, the glass cutters and some of the the large gloves that yep. actually it almost looks like something that a knight would wear back when back in the old days. <laughs> That's but, your I mean, reference, a knight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I okay. mean, you have you have the gloves that go all the way up to your armpits, your armpit, yeah, and then you have straps in between, and right, yeah, you know, you got an armored shield on the front with your family crest, you know, right there. So break you, break uh, out the the. Chain, what do they call it? Chain mail? That's what you Chain mail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've uh, pretty barbaric. Now, another way you can do it is to take plenty of drop cloths and put it down below the mirror. And then, you know, you know usually people have a few spare bricks in their yard. And then you just <laughs> you just throw that brick and it breaks it because you're from across the room. And, uh, you yeah, know, face shield still would be good. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. you just throw those bricks and that, that, it just breaks and it falls. And uh, it's very safe and uh, takes out a little aggression if you have any. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 J- just might do this on someone else's house, though, not yours. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're just getting started on this hour. We've got a lot of great information we want to share with you, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Joe and I are so proud of all the wonderful radio stations across the country, over 350 stations that air the Today's Homeowner Radio Show each and every week. Just like this one, W-L-O-E-A-M, 1490 in Eden, North Carolina. A special hello to everybody listening in and around there. We want to help you with anything that you're facing around your house, any ideas that you have. If you need a little a bit of advice to get you pointed in the right direction, pick up the phone and give us a call, 800 940 Six forty-four twenty, or if you'd like to send us an email, do so at todayshomeowner.com/slash ask. Right now, we're going to head to New Jersey. Barry is on the line. Barry, tell us what's going on with this uh, with the situation out in your yard. Well, for some reason, uh, the acorns were uh, very abundant this year, and I've already swept off the sidewalk, the walkways, and the driveway four wheelbarrows full of wow. acorns. And now, now my problem is it's it's in the lawn, and I really hate to rake. It's like the worst outdoor job I could possibly do. <laughs> my lawnmower is about six and a half horsepower, just doesn't have enough suction to suck it up. And I was right. wondering what I can do. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I tell you that is that. Um unusual situation usually every squirrel in new jersey would be hanging out over there at your house and i don't know the first thing i think about and i don't know how successful 
these things are. I agree with you, by the way, on, on the raking. It just, you know, in order to get those acorns, you really have got to rake hard. It's not just like, hey, let's just knock the top off of it. You've got to really almost dethatch in order to get that out. But I wonder about one of the leaf blowers that also have the attachment with the big canvas bag that is a vacuum. I know I had had one that I tried out one time, and it was just a little bit cumbersome to be a leaf blower, and then you had a big switch that you turned in order to turn it into suction in a vacuum. Joe, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think there's one out there now that would uh, that would be strong enough to, to help Barry out with all of these um, all of these acorns? Yeah, yeah, Larry, Barry, that, that's a heck of a problem when you have that many acorns. And you're right, raking them, you know, the, the rakes just aren't designed to pull up all those little acorns, but they do make a lawn vacuum, which essentially looks like a, looks like a walk behind lawnmower, but in the front, it's got this large wide housing that hovers right above the grass. I wouldn't recommend buying one because they're probably several hundred dollars, but you, you might be able to rent one. Certainly if not, then call a landscaper and find one that owns one. And, you know, you just hire him to come and you know, someone who who does landscaping, mows lawns, that kind of thing, they might have it. That's the only thing I could, and that would definitely work, assuming these aren't compacted and stuck into the soil at all. But you you definitely want to get them up because that's not going to be great for your lawn come spring to have all yeah. those acorns. But uh, yeah, I guess the oak trees are just uh, very um, healthy this year and they're producing a lot. But typically that means the there's a larger squirrel population. Do you not see very many squirrels where you are? Oh, listen, they're like, they're like having a party out front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're they're going to send you a thank you card. Thanks, Barry, for, <laughs> for all the acorns. What a guy. Yeah. Um, but I guess, I guess when you have that many acorns, even you know, squirrels get sick of eating acorns after a while. Uh, but I would try the the lawn vac. If you if you Google it, you'll see images of what I'm talking about, and then just call a landscape or call a rental place see if they they have one. Well, I greatly appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you, and happy. All right, Barry. Good luck. All right. Best of luck. You have a great year as well, Barry. Hope we can help you again in the future. You take care. Hey, going back to our emails right now, we have one from Joy in Texas. We have a hundred and thirty year old house with a wraparound front porch. My husband asked a carpenter to reinforce the joists, then cover them with treated plywood, and then cover the plywood with tongue and groove one by fours. Wow. Does that does that make sense? Um I don't really know um if that plywood's necessary. Um, right. um yeah. so let's assume that um they've had some problems with this and they removed um, you know, the, uh, whatever one by fours, I assume one by four tongue and groove that was probably on it before. And a lot of times, especially a 130 year old house, maybe those joists do need some reinforcing. So right. if you yeah. reinforce all of that with treated wood, I really don't understand why they would need to do the plywood unless they're trying to change the direction of the boards. Now, naturally mm-hmm. the board should, um, should run out. You know, you want them to run out where any water that blows in, it goes right out versus running the long ways. And that may be what they're talking about here, because if you think about it, many times on porches, the joists do extend from the house out. And then if you put the one by fours on, which can be done and it's done all the time, 
running perpendicular to that, then you might have a little trouble with water, get, you know, staying on the porch sometimes when it blows right. up. And and that may be the reason for the treated plywood to allow that direction to change. What do you think? It sounds like a little bit of overbuilding here. Yeah, it does. I mean, this is a very old house, so maybe the joists are not only undersized, but they're they're spaced way too far apart. And rather than adding joists, which would be the first thing I would think to do, and maybe they think it's easier just to go over it with with some maybe tongue and groove pressure-treated uh, plywood, something that maybe two layers of pressure-treated plywood, something that a really thick substrate to support the, the um, tongue and groove that's going to go on top. Because if those joists are too far apart, you know, you want to add support by either adding joists or maybe they're thinking with the plywood would do that trick. Um, but either way, yeah, I think, I, I guess you could do one or the other. Um, I'm not sure the plywood, I guess would work, you know, it would certainly provide you a hundred percent nailing surface for the, for the new tongue and groove floor going on top. There you go. So it might be a little bit of an overkill, but you know, with an older house, it might provide the stability that you need. And I would certainly, um, advise using, um, coated screws, coated deck screws, and let's leave the Let's leave the nails alone. You'll have a lot better porch if you do that. Hey, we're going to get another one here from uh, Mukesh in South Carolina. The tempered glass on my glass cooktop shattered the other day, even though it was not on and we didn't drop anything onto it. It just suddenly shattered. What could cause that to happen? Um, well, if I wonder if Gus, my grandson, was around there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, was he in South Carolina recently? Yeah, I don't remember him being in South Carolina, <laughs> so we might have to rule that out. Um, but, you know, the, the thing I would think about is, I'll tell you what, if a stove is not, for whatever reason, if that's positioned in there, and maybe it's one uh, that's, hang, you know, that's installed and basically uh, sits on the edge of the countertop, if anything has shifted or it's not completely flat, that it's going to put a little bit of stress on it. And I could see how that, um, you know, over time, settling could kind of torque it a little bit and cause it to shatter in that way. Because they are they are a bit fragile when you start fooling with them. They they are. the Now, Mukesh doesn't, he says it just shattered on its own, just suddenly just pop and broke. So I'm not really sure what that, what caused that. But I do know of something that you should avoid at all costs if you have a glass top cooktop or stove and that they recommend if you read the directions read the owner's manual is what some people do is they'll which is not uncommon but they'll take a hot lid off a pot and just set it on the cooktop not think anything of it but what happens is that um that hot lid creates a, a vacuum a really strong vacuum to the glass and it can suck up and shatter the glass so that's something you should never do. Take a hot lid and put it on top of the the glass top, and because it would it it has shattered in cases it has shattered. Now that doesn't appear to what happened here, so I'm not sure what to tell them. Um, call the manufacturer and find out. Maybe there it might even be a recall. Maybe there's a could, could be a that. But I'll, also, yeah. I would put that level across it and and you know just look and just see if it's nice and flat because it could be that the corner slipped off a little bit and you got one right. side that is just the gravity is causing that to happen and uh that's a pretty unusual situation but and unfortunately it is really expensive i think the last one we broke which is i hope i think the only one I ever broke um i think the replacement cost on that thing was around four hundred dollars right yeah you know plus the guy to go and install it uh, right, which yeah. was fairly easy but you have to be real careful on that hopefully 
uh, Makesh, that'll help um, uh, you know, point you in the right direction on that unusual problem. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the very popular Lux- Luxury Vinyl Tiles, LVT, and how you can actually install them over a fairly rough floor. All of that and a whole lot more coming up here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Have you signed up for the Today's Homeowner e-newsletter? Well, if not, you're missing out on a lot of great information that goes into your inbox once a week. That's all that you get from us, but I guarantee it's information that you can use around your house. It's completely free. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. Right now, we're headed out to the West Coast. We have Michelle on the line. Michelle, you're pondering a flooring project. Tell us all about it. Yes, I am. I have terracotta tile in various rooms in the condo on the second floor, and it's very uneven, and it's very uncomfortable because it's so hard to walk on, but the built-ins are surrounding it. So I was just considering whether I should have a flooring company install on top of it or go through the expense and mess of having it drilled out. Well, it's something that a lot of people face, a lot of people ponder to know what to do. The thing is, is um, if the flooring is like the old handmade type of terracotta, it's pretty hard to get a good smooth surface in order to install another floor over it. Now, if it's fairly uniform, does it does it look like that old handmade type of, uh, of, of flooring or is it? Yeah, it certainly does look like that, and it is very uneven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, um, a lot of times it can be very successful to use a floor patch compound or a floor leveling compound that is mixed and poured over it, and it makes it nice and smooth. But I'll tell you, on that type of tile, um, it, it's just so irregular that it is extremely hard to get that um, that flooring compound, uh, and and you're talking about several rooms here, so you know you got quite a bit of work there to be done. And then also, you know, the the problem with putting a floor on top of a floor sometimes is you can get into problems with your dishwasher, kind of blocking your dishwasher in, or maybe some of the doors or other things like that. Because when you put floor patch on and then you put another material on, even if you use a luxury vinyl tile, which can can be as little as an eighth of an inch, you still could have some problems on that. So I I tell you, I think, uh, Joe, let me get your opinion on that, Joe. It sounds like maybe getting a couple contractors out to look at it uh, because, again, it's something that they've dealt with many, many times and see what kind of recommendations they have after they're standing there looking at it. Yeah, Michelle, I'm, I'm looking at a photograph, and it's a very geometric terracotta. I've never seen anything like this, typically terracotta which is just clay tiles, often unglazed. Um, they're usually just square. Um, so you have a lot of pretty wide grout joints. So I can, I, I can understand why it's relatively uncomfortable underfoot. Yeah, I mean, Danny's right. I think you could, you should probably, then the reason we're, we'd recommend putting a self-leveling underlayment, which again is just thin concrete over all of this, is to smooth out that surface because you don't want anything telegraphing through the new floor. Because if you walk on it enough or stand in the same spot enough, sometimes you wind up seeing those grout joints, which are recessed. 
So, you know, if you're putting tile on top of this, that wouldn't be an issue. But with vinyl, because it's so thin, that would be a good option. There's usually enough adjustment in your appliances, including the dishwasher, mm -hmm. where you can accommodate for that, whatever it's going to be, quarter inch or three eighth inch total. Um, but a contractor would have to check that and let you know, because I would not and don't let anyone talk into just putting the floor up against the dishwasher. Because what if you have to remove the dishwasher? You might not be able to. You might not be able to raise it enough because the countertop's in the way. Mm -hmm. So I would take out any appliance that's there, you know, make sure you can adjust it enough, lay the floor into that alcove, whether it's a refrigerator or dishwasher or whatever it is, and then um, and then put the appliances back in place. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend. I think you'd, it'd be a much nicer look too. You have a contemporary looking kitchen from what I can tell, and this floor looks like it's, from a different age. I agree. <laughs> All right. Um, so okay. I, I think the luxury vinyl, and it comes in tiles and it comes in planks. The planks are more popular, but either you, you can choose one of those and they come in different um, grades as far as price and durability. So I get the, you know, the best one you can afford and they're pretty affordable. We were just talking about that earlier. I think they range at Home Depot. The last time I checked the prices, they range from about two fifty to I think about four or $5 a square foot. So they're pretty affordable. Okay, great. All right, Michelle. Well, good luck with that. It's going to look great once you're done. Yeah, it takes a little time to get those estimates and to talk to different people. can be a little confusing, confusing, but it's certainly well worth it because the floor can last you a long, long time. And if you run into any other snags, uh, just let us know. We're happy to help you. Oh, thank you both so much. I appreciate your input. <laughs> and, check, and check out the website because there's plenty of videos on Today's homeowner.com showing Danny installing this type of floor that we're mm -hmm, talking exactly. about. Oh, the vinyl flooring? Okay, yes. yeah. Uh -huh. sure I, want, so. I want to check those out. Good. Yeah, please Good. do. All right, well, best okay. of luck to you, and, uh, and, and have, a great, have a great year ahead. Same to you. Thank you so much. Sure. Let's get into the emails here. We have one from Iowa from Christopher. He says, I have an attached garage that is connected to an unheated breezeway. In winter, the breezeway stays warmer than the garage and it never goes below 40. I would like to insulate the wall between the garage and breezeway to prevent cold air from moving into the breezeway. Should I use faced or unfaced insulation? If faced, which direction do I place the paper facing? Uh, towards the breezeway wall or facing uh, towards the inside of the garage. Um, Christopher, on, um, on, on insulation that does have the craft facing on it, that always goes to the heated and cooled area. Now, you're talking about a garage here that's not heated and cooled, but it may be at some time. So you would want the paper um, pointing towards the inside. Now, where we run into a lot of confusion with a lot of homeowners and many installations of crawl space insulation where you're putting it under the floor, many times people will just uh, intuitively let the paper be facing down. That's completely opposite. The paper needs to face up towards the heated and cooled living area. So in this case here, I would turn it uh, to the inside. Another, that's an interesting, uh, uh -huh, that's an interesting uh -huh. question. I don't think we've had yeah, a question is. where they're insulating between two unheated spaces. I know it. Yeah, I know so, it. Are you better off just using like rock wool, which is has no facing, and this way you get the benefit? Because I, I, I can't imagine he's ever going to heat. Yeah, he's not going to ever heat the garage, but maybe a heat put some heat source in the breezeway. I'm not that. That's a 
that's an interesting question. Yeah, it is that. interesting, and certainly the mineral wool is a great way to go because yeah. if it's exposed to moisture and mildew and so forth out there, it's very resistant to that right, uh, as right. well as the fire retardant nature of it. So uh, that would be a good choice if you have something you know, along those lines. Hey, coming up, we're going to be trying to tackle as many emails as we can. If you've sent us an email, hang in there. We're going to try to get to it. If you'd like to send us an email, it's todayshomeowner.com slash ask. You're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. I'm Danny Lipford, and hey, it's time to go in the aisles with my buddy Danny Watson. Danny, I'll tell you what, Home Depot knows products and things for your home better than anybody else out there. And when a company wins an innovation award from Home Depot, that's got to make their year. It's a pretty interesting list you have here. Danny, we do this every year, and it's the top performers, the, like the latest and the greatest in the home improvement industry. And you know these award-winning projects, it makes home improvement projects easier and more efficient for all the DIYers out there. It's a, I think it's a great thing. We do this every year. It's not easy to make that list. I'm sure it's not easy to make the list, nor is it easy to tie down those winners. We we do a lot of judging of different contests here at Today's Homeowner, and boy, it's never easy. You think it is, and then hours later, you're scratching your head. But take us through the top winners. I know you have the structure of an overall winner, first runner-up. Hey, let's start with the second runner-up. Who won? Well, the, the first the first runner-up was the Hub Space String Lights. Let me tell you what's cool about these. The color, the brightness, the timers, it's all at the individual bulb level. So it's personalized to whatever you like, uh, whatever color you want that bulb to be, and it's easy to control right through the, uh, the app, which is compatible with all your uh, Bluetooth accessories. So I just think it's really cool that you can make those lights exactly the look that you want it to be. And boy, the kids love that. You get you get that remote control in their hands, and, and it's like disco time there. Those kids... <laughs> Absolutely. And then our number one overall winner was the Glidden Max Flex Spray Paint. What's cool about it, it dries within five minutes. It can be used on wood, metal, glass, plastic, and so much more. And, you know, this is something great if you're getting ready to do any holiday DIY projects, if you're building uh, anything for the yard, uh, this spray paint would really come in handy. Now, I know you had a number of other uh, finalists that uh, did fairly well on all of this. Uh, share with some of those with us. Yeah, there's a wide range of uh, products from LG refrigerators, Milwaukee staplers, Warner ladders. But check out the whole list at homedepot.com slash innovation. You can see the whole list. And this is the latest, greatest, and innovative products in our store. You know, I think it's kind of cool, the uh, assortment here. This doesn't fall into just one aisle of Home Depot. It kind of goes all over and points out a lot of different things there because, you know, uh, there are so many innovations here. And, of course, the pandemic maybe slowed down the innovation process a little bit. But, boy, it's back, and, and the research development departments are really working hard to develop 
develop these products. So I think it's cool that Home Depot takes the time and puts the resources in to kind of call out some of these special ones and so forth. And, you know, you're talking about the ladder, the multi-purpose type ladders that have been around uh, from Warner and other companies. Uh, man, they can be so heavy. But I noticed yesterday when I was in Home Depot, they have come out with ladders that are still rated 300 or 350 pounds, but they're much lighter and much easier for a homeowner to use. Absolutely. And like you're saying on this list, there's something for everybody, no matter what project you're working on, because it's products from all over the store. So you can see the whole list right now at homedepot.com slash innovation. Always great for you to be on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show, Danny. I hope you have a great week. Thank you, Danny. You too. One more email here. Mary from Washington says, and boy, when I read this one, it made me cringe just a little bit. I have engineered hardwood floors, and when I move my refrigerator, I put a groove in oh, the floor. No. Is there any way to fix it, or do I have to replace the planks? Can I switch out the planks uh, that are damaged under the refrigerator or stove? Oh, I'm not boy. sure if I can find the replacement planks. Thank you. I'll tell you what, when that kind of thing happens, you just... You know, we were we had to bring plants in recently because of some very, very cold weather. And just moving one of those things put a scratch on my hardwood floor. And I'm sitting there going, I know better than that. Where's yeah, my yeah. where's my hand truck? Where's my helper? Where's you know, something, a blanket, some way. Uh, when you have a scratch on the floor like that, there are some things called putty pencils. You can get a putty pencil that matches the floor and you can just rub that putty pencil on because a lot of times on the scratch is what you're seeing is the um, just below the finished surface of the floor. You'll have that scratch, and then it's showing that up. So taking that putty pencil and filling that in, not that it's a long-term, you know, permanent fix, but to your eye, it may take that um, that little crack away. Now, if you've got minor cracks, we often recommend a refurbisher, which uh, is called Rejuvenate. Rejuvenate can do something similar in trying to camouflage that score. Of course, you can replace it, but if you don't have one a piece of that wood right there, it's going to be hard for you to go out and find one that matches. It may end up standing out more than anything else. Yeah, that's right. And this is unusual because, you know, refrigerators have wheels on them, so you think it would just roll and not make a make a scratch or dent in the floor. But that's why, regardless whether it has wheels or not, you always, always should put down a piece of tempered hardboard. Most people know it as masonite. Mm -hmm. It comes an eighth inch or quarter inch. Eighth inch is usually just enough because um, it, you know, it'll easily roll up on top of it. Boy, it's a bad feeling when you do that because there's nothing you can do. You can't turn back the clock and uh, not do it. So, uh, so take those precautions well ahead of time. Hey, coming up, it's Simple Solution Time here on today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Joe, did you know that... You like saying that, don't you? I know. It's, it's got a, I'm going I'm to I'm uh, keep, keep doing that. Uh, Joe, did you know that Simple Solutions yes. is the most 
popular information that we provide to homeowners through today's homeowner. You've done a great job over the last 20, 20 plus years of finding these great little nuggets, even though I try to take credit for all of them. People (laughs) know that it's Joe's, it's Joe's things. And we get a lot of uh, great recommendations uh, from, from homeowners. So, you know, um, don't think we know it all. I mean, think, uh, you know, our, our wives think we know it all or think that we think we know it all, but put that all aside. But if so, if you have a tip or something that's worked well for you over the years, we'd love for you to share it with us on the hotline at 800-946-4420 or drop us an email anytime, todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Well, before I get to my simple solution, I hate to burst your bubble, but I talked to your wife, Sharon, on occasion, and she does not think you know everything. I just thought, <laughs> just, just thought I'd let you know before you keep spreading that word. Yeah. <laughs> okay, buddy. Thanks for that. And You're quit, welcome. Quit talking to my wife. And uh, what do you what do you what do you have for us this week? <laughs> okay, Danny. When using paint from a previously open can of paint, it's always best to pass that paint through a filter to screen out, you know, dried chips of paint and other small bits of debris to get in the old paint can, and then you wind up rolling it onto your wall. And while you can buy disposable paint filters, you may have seen them at paint stores and home centers. They're essentially like they look like paper funnels, and they have a little screen at the bottom. But they're flimsy, they're not reusable, and I find they tear, and you know, they're too much trouble. So mm-hmm. instead, use a piece of, of insect screen, preferably the fiberglass or vinyl screening because it's more pliable than the, than the aluminum screening. And if you don't have one, if you haven't saved one from an old window screen that's been broken, which I have done, you can, always, you can buy a section of mm-hmm. fiberglass window screen. And what you do is you cut the screen, like maybe 14 inches square or so, Put it into a new clean paint can. That's important. Or whatever you're painting out of if you have a little bucket. But I usually just buy a clean paint can. And you just clamp it in place with a couple of spring clamps or paint or tape or whatever. And then you just pour the old paint into the new can, screening through the uh, window screen. And the nice thing about this is when you're done, first of all, it screens out everything. And you'd be surprised. This paint might look clean until you pour it through a screen. It's like, oh, where'd all this stuff come Mm -hmm. from? Um, So you screen it out. And then you can take that piece of window screen and just rinse it with a garden hose and save it for the next time. I've used it dozens of times. It's Mm -hmm. perfectly, you know, very, you know, sturdy and and 100% reusable. So that's the simple solution. Screen out all that debris before you start painting. Well, that's one I could use this weekend. We have some old paint that we've had and want to touch up some of the walls in the garage where someone, my wife, um, opens <laughs> opens the door and bangs it up a little bit and drags right. her purse down the side. Of, <laughs> oh, man. And uh, so I, I need a little touch up there on that. Or yeah. maybe I should... Um, uh, get her fixed up with a paintbrush and uh, see if she yeah, can't touch it. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, I know it. But, uh, but the screen idea is a great idea. I'll definitely need to use that. Cause like you say, where does this stuff come from, you yeah. know, inside a closed-up paint can? So it does help out. And as you've said before and as we've said many times, paint is expensive. And, you know, I yep. bought a, I bought a spray, I put a can of spray paint yesterday. Yes, you that's know, got A little, little larger one and everything, $10. Wait a minute. Used to be three. I know. I know. I can't. It's really hard to believe. Hey, before we leave, we wanted to remind you what you can see on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show this weekend. We're talking about a really nice 
concrete improvement in a backyard where instead of pavers, instead of anything else that you could use for a patio, we matched some concrete that was already there, expanded it out. Also, we're um, dealing with a lot of picket fencing. Picket fences is just like an, an Americana thing like you wouldn't believe, especially when you paint it white. Of course, if you have an entertainment area, you're going to have a TV out there. All of that on this week's show. Well, that'll pretty much wrap up everything here. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our great engineer producer Corey Wilson, and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hoping you have a fantastic weekend. We'll see you next week.